What up, yo? It's Mark Channon with the Fantasy Knockout Fantasy Football Show. Today is Saturday, November 21st, episode number 137. I'm on Twitter at Fantasy Knockout. We're also on Instagram at Fantasy underscore Knockout. I'm excited for today's show. It's the start sit for week 11. Who are we feeling confident about this week? Who are we worried about? But first... Announcements. The hashtag knockout giveaway we have until December 6th to get in all your entries for that signed Devontae Adams jersey. Thing looks amazing. Uh, if you're looking for accurate rankings, week 10 was 55th, and for the season to date, still sitting at 70th. So, not what I was hoping for, but uh, we're going to hunker down and get things tweaked, and we're going to finish in that top 20 by the end of the season. If you got questions for the show, head on over to fantasyknockout.com for all your fantasy football needs. Thursday night recap. It was a good game. It was Arizona, Seattle. Uh, Seattle ended up winning 28 to 21. It was back and forth. Not as high scoring as I had hoped, but it was still plenty of fantasy relevant uh, players. Seems like about everybody got their own. Uh, Kyler Murray, he went off. Well, not off, but he had uh, 269 yards, two touchdowns, 15 yards rushing for 20.26 points. Russell Wilson did all right as well. 197 yards, two touchdowns, 42 yards rushing for 20. Points. Uh, Lockett, Hyde, and Metcalf all had decent games. Lockett finished with 17.20 points. Hyde was with 16.50. Metcalf was with 12.1. Then on the other side, Drake, he looked good. He ended up with 14 points. Edmonds had a touchdown and he ended up with 12.9. Hopkins was the one that kind of disappointed everybody. Would have thought he had a would have had a better game. He ended up with 7.6. So let's move on to some news. News with views. All right, so tight end Zach Ertz out of Philadelphia's coach Doug Peterson said that Zach's ankle he probably needs a little bit more time and it's unlikely to be activated in time for week 11. So the guys that got him on stash right now, he's going to have to wait another week. Quarterback Taysom Hill out of New Orleans. This is the inter- most interesting news this week. He's going to start for week 11 for the Saints. Drew Brees has been placed on IR. It's not Jameis Winston like I had to... Uh, anticipated and just about everybody else so um i don't love tyson hill as a quarterback so he might do okay he might not i he might start and then two plays later he might come out and winston goes in we just don't know so i'm not trusting him if you need a win this week i'm not trusting Taysom hill as a streaming quarterback In and out. All right. So these are guys that are questionable. We're not sure if they're going to play. So I'm going to give you my take on what they are, what I think is going to happen. So I'll start off with some running backs. Joe Mixon out of Cincinnati. He's got the foot issue. He is going to be out. He's missed a whole month. It is frustrating for the you Mixon owners. I get it. I am sorry. DeAndre Swift uh, from Detroit. This is the interesting one. He was doing good. His He was going to be a top four running back for me this week. Then he ends up with a concussion, and he's in concussion protocol, and he's going to miss. So he's out. Clyde Edwards-Hilaire out of Kansas City. He's had an illness this week. He is in. I would start him. Alvin Kamara popped up there with a foot injury. He's going to be in. You can start him. Uh, Wideouts. Kenny Galladay out of Detroit, still dealing with the hip injury. And Danny Amendola 
<laughs> same team. He's got a hip injury. They're both out. Devontae Adams out of Green Bay. He's got an ankle injury. He's going to be in. Start him. And then Brandon Ayuk from San Francisco. He's on the COVID list, so he is out. Uh, quarterback, Matthew Stafford. He's got the thumb issue. He's going to be in. You can start him. Uh, and then tight ends, Noah Fant from Denver. He's got the rib injury. He is a game-time decision. I am leaning that he plays. I just don't love his uh, with the injury and Drew Locke banged up. I don't like him all that much this week. Uh, let's get ready to rumble! Main event. All right, so teams on by. We got San Francisco, the Giants, the Bears, and the Buffalo Bills. So make sure you get all those guys out of your lineups. We got some good matchups this week. Uh, some players to start and sit, guys to put in your flex, guys that I am liking this week. So we're going to start off with quarterbacks, Aaron Rodgers out of Green Bay. This may seem like a given, but some managers and experts may talk themselves out of Rodgers because of the matchup. After all, only the Bears have seeded fewer fantasy points per game to opposing quarterbacks than the Colts, who just limited Ryan Tannehill to 147 passing yards and a touchdown in Week 10. This is likely a case of overthinking things. Outside of Tannehill, Indianapolis has only faced one quarterback, which is Lamar Jackson, inside the top 15 of average fantasy points. Matthew Stafford and Joe Burrow each topped 300 passing yards against a team that opened up 2020 against the Jags, the Jets, the Vikings, and the Bears. Rodgers, meanwhile, has placed quarterback eight or higher in all but two games. He should fare just fine this week, even if that means setting, like settling for 20 fantasy points instead of the 25 you're expecting. Next guy is Big Ben Roethlisberger. So Big Ben, he had... Uh, it had been pretty efficient this season, but still didn't have that one big blow-up game until Sunday. After he spent the entire week on the COVID list, his status was in doubt. Big Ben threw for four touchdowns. Um, Roethlisberger was a look-ahead sleeper given his matchup for those who have Josh Allen on by this week. So I know I went out and tried to get him. I would play him. I play him in one league. Um, and maybe you even you know start him. In some other circumstances, I have been. Uh, but we love this matchup against the Jags, who have allowed the third most fantasy points to quarterbacks in the last four weeks. Quarterbacks I'm fading and not wanting to start this week. First one is Derek Carr against the Kansas City Chiefs. So last time, his amazing 347 passing yards and three touchdowns in a Week 5 upset over Kansas City. We need to temper our expectations for the rematch. In four games since that masterful performance, Carr has averaged just 178.5 passing yards on 27 attempts. He hasn't finished among the week's top 20 fantasy passers since week 7. While there's often a perception that opposing quarterbacks will pile up yards to keep up with the Kansas City Chiefs' high-octane offense, only seven squads have permitted fewer fantasy points per game to that position. So chasing Carr's 2020 ceiling is risky after watching his floor dip in recent weeks. And the other guy I'm fading is Carson Wentz. So the Eagles, they're a three-point underdog in a game with this week's second lowest over-under line at 45.5. Although rugged weather attributed to Cleveland's last two low-scoring grinds, it's hard to feel confident about starting Wentz following consecutive duds against the Cowboys and the Giants. 
While he leads the NFL with a dozen interceptions, Wentz is near the bottom of just about every other significant category. All right, some running backs I'm liking this week. We're going to go with Mike Davis out of Carolina. So Davis has not reached double-digit fantasy points in half PPR leagues. In any of his last four games, despite only once sharing the field with Christian McCaffrey. He's totaled just 197 yards without a single touchdown in those contests. You still have to play him this week. Each of Davis's last five games played without McCaffrey have been against defenses ranked inside the top five of fantasy points allowed to running backs. His upcoming opponent, Detroit, places last, relinquishing 3.6 points more than the runner-up in Houston, uh, which they're at 30.6. The Lions have coughed up the most rushing touchdowns at 16 and third most rushing yards in addition to the second most receiving yards to running backs. So look for Davis to bounce back in a major way. And then my next guy I like is Kalen Balazs. So Austin Eckler, he kind of teased everybody um, with his eventual return, but there's no word yet that he's going to come as soon as like this Sunday. So assuming Eckler's not back for his first game since injuring his hamstring in week four, uh, Kalen Balazs could once again shoulder the Chargers' backfield burden in an unorthodox revenge game. So Balazs received just three carries in as many games before getting cut by the Jets, but he surprisingly fielded 33 handoffs to just two contests with the Chargers. With Justin Jackson also out of action, Balazs' snap rate skyrocketed from 39% all the way up to 73% last Sunday. Only the Patriots and Ravens have run more than the Chargers, so expect Anthony Lynn to call Balazs' number early and often as a heavy home favorite against the 0-9 Jets. So running backs I'm not fond of. We're going to start with Melvin Gordon out of Denver. While sharing the backfield with Philip Lindsay over the last four games, Gordon has gathered 200 yards and a touchdown on 51 touches. His snap rate has locked into the 55-60% to 60% range during that time frame. And Gordon will share reps with Lindsey, and that's before factoring in the possibility of Denver getting game scripted out of the run game, as it did against Las Vegas last week. Alright, and then we're going to sit all of the Rams running backs. So Tampa Bay poses the NFL's premier rush defense, so this would be a Tenuous matchup, even if the Rams boasted one lead back. Now that they've got three, fantasy managers should practice well more than six feet of distance from this situation. The leading man for the moment is Daryl Henderson, who played just one-third of their snaps in Week 10's win over Seattle. Despite the big play potential with him, there's not enough volume to trust him beyond a desperation flex play in this setting. Malcolm Brown punched in two touchdowns last Sunday, but he's averaged just 7.9 carries per game since a busy week one. He's an entirely touchdown or bust play. And then Fantasy Manor should keep close tabs on Cam Akers, who touched the ball 10 times in each of his two games back from his rib injury. The rookie, however, is no more than a high upside bench stash at the moment. All right, some wideouts I'm liking, and we're going to go with Amari Cooper out of Dallas. So after missing two games prior to Dallas's Week 10 bye, Andy Dalton cleared the concussion protocol and returned to practice Monday. If he's ready to reclaim the starting job, fantasy managers should feel um, perfectly comfortable tossing Cooper back into their starting lineup. Back in Week 6, Cooper caught seven of Dalton's 10 targets for 79 yards. He even managed 67 yards alongside Garrett Gilbert in Week 9. 
So roll with Cooper as long as there's not another Ben DiNucci sighting. And then DJ Chark is my other guy I like. So Jake Lutton, he's going to get his third start in place at Gardner Minshew. And far from bad news for Chark, who secured 11 of 17 targets for 202 yards in the first two. Uh, Chark also received a combined 237 targeted air yards in those bouts, displaying his sky-high potential that remains despite a handful of duds to the 2019 breakouts name alongside Minshew. This season, while the Steelers certainly won't strike anyone as a favorable matchup, they permitted the 8th most fantasy points to opposing wide outs. Guys, I want to sit uh, at the receiver position. We're going to go with Antonio Brown. So only the Bears have given up fewer fantasy points to fantasy receivers than the Rams. So the pie won't be big enough to feed Mike Evans, Chris Godwin, or A.B. Um, Deciphering which one draws the most attention from Brady is admittedly still a bit of a guessing game. Yet Evans has the legend's eye in the red zone. And he also saw a season-high 11 targets last Sunday. So Godwin, he received one fewer target at 12 than Brown, who had 13, in their pair of games together. But the former has played far more snaps, and Brown could make a major impact during the fantasy playoffs. This matchup, however, is the wrong spot to bet on a breakout. My other guy is Jarvis Landry. So kind of so much for Landry taking that bigger role without OBJ. Perhaps the gust wind was the culprit, but Landry settled for just five targets against an exploitable Texans defense. Disappointment has been the norm for the 27-year-old this season. Uh, Usually, he's a PPR machine. Landry hasn't topped five catches in a single game, averaging just 49.9 yards without a single touchdown. All right, some tight ends I'm liking. We're going to go with Hunter Henry out of uh, Los Angeles. So despite... Hovering the range of that 23 to 39 receiving yards with no more than four catches in each of his last six games. We're going to play him anyway. Henry has now played at least 94% of the Chargers offensive snaps and received a red zone target in four of their last five games. Kelsey, Waller, and Ingram are the only other tight ends with more targets or receptions than Henry. Um, And guess what? He faces the Jets, 29th ranked passing defense in week 11. His returns has been underwhelming, but the same can be said for every tight end besides Kelsey and Waller. The other guy I like is Hayden Hurst. Uh, He's out of Atlanta. His evolution into a reliable weekly starter coincided with the return of Julio Jones. His other unproductive outing, a one-yard week three, saved by the fact that he gained those inches inside the end zone, also occurred with Jones out of the lineup. Uh, This contradicts any potential fears of Jones and a returning Calvin Ridley eating too much into Hurst's opportunities. Although he won't win a matchup, the former first-round pick is ready to put his draft pedigree on display against the New Orleans defense, pinned for the six most fantasy points by opposing tight ends. Tight ends I'm fading on. Uh, We're going to go with Dalton Schultz out of the cow from from Dallas. Since the Cowboys lost Dak Prescott, Schultz has submitted 158 receiving yards in four games. His last red zone target came from Prescott in week four. Schultz is a passable play if digging through the waiver wire for a streamer, but there's hardly any upside in this neuter Dallas offense. And then Robert Tanyan. Uh, We could trust Rodgers and Devontae Adams at Indianapolis, but not Tanyan. 
Since his three-touchdown outburst in Week 4 against Atlanta, the supposed baby Kittle has tallied a combined 14 catches for 172 yards and no touchdowns in five games. He's only finished as a top-12 tight end once since sharing the field with Adams. And the Colts have yet to grant an imposing tight end access to the end zone in 2020. You guys ready for starts of the week? Start of the week. Quarterback Deshaun Watson out of Houston. We can't take too much away from Watson's performance last week as there were consistent 30-plus mile-an-hour wins with 50 to 60 mile-an-hour gusts that limited both offenses. It would have been nice to see Watson use his legs a little bit more, but it doesn't appear to be a big part of what he wants to do this year. He rushed He's rushed for more than 38 yards just once this year, and he hasn't topped 50 rushing yards since week 17 of 2018. Since the start of week two, quarterbacks have averaged a ridiculous 8.91 yards per attempt against the Patriots. If the Texans actually have Watson drop back to pass, they'll have success. Knowing that they're stuck with Duke Johnson at running back, they just might, and Watson might be better than you expect this week. Though it requires some rational coaching, he should be considered a mid to low end quarterback one this week. And my other quarterback I like is Matthew Stafford out of Detroit. He's doing this thing where he plays well against good defenses, but plays terrible when he should crush it. Seriously, his two best games this year have come against Washington and the Colts. While he didn't even finish with 10 fantasy points against the Vikings, Stafford remains in the high-end quarterback two territory rather than a must-stream material. I'm streaming this week. I like him. Go with Stafford. And then the running backs I like, so we're going to go with Kareem Hunt out of Cleveland. The duo backfield was in full force last week, combining for a massive 41 touches. We figured the Browns might ease Chubb back into action, so it wasn't too shocking to see both him and Hunt finish with 19 carries. This week's test will be much tougher against the Eagles' run defense that's allowed the fifth-fewest fantasy points per game to running backs. No running back has been able to eclipse 81 yards on the ground against them this season. As for Hunt, he's more of a mid-running back two this week who will need to get it done through the air. And I got confidence in him. Running back Damian Harris from New England, he's the other one I like this week. Although he offers nothing as a pass catcher, Harris has tallied 78.5 rushing yards per game, averaging 5.5 uh, yards per carry and hitting triple digits in three of six contests. This should be another run-heavy day for New England, as Houston has hemorrhaged an NFL-high 167.4 rushing yards per game and 5.2 yards per run. Look for Harris to hit 100 rushing yards for the third time this month. He's what New England wanted from Sony Michel. Then my wideouts I like is wideout Juju Smith-Schuster out of Pittsburgh. Suddenly, Juju's the number 19 wide receiver in fantasy football. He's totaled a massive 42 targets over the last four weeks, which ranks fourth behind only Devontae Adams, Kareem Allen, and Stephon Diggs. He's, and he's delivered, too. You have to play all the Steelers' wide receivers right now and deal with the ups and downs, as it's unlikely they all deliver top 30 value every week, but in this matchup, it's possible. Just like Deontay and Chase, Juju is the wide receiver two. He's in that wide receiver two conversation. My other guy I like is wide receiver Terry McLaurin out of Washington. He's now scored at least 19.2 PPR points in each of his last three games and has scored at least 11.1 PPR points in eight of nine games. 
He's also seeing a league-high 41.6% of his team's air yards. He's a legitimate low-end wide receiver one practically every week. The only reason he's a low-end wide receiver one is due to the lack of scoring in his offense, as all Washington receivers have combined for just six touchdowns. There hasn't been a single game this year where he's seen fewer than seven targets. Keep him out there as a high-floor, low-end wide receiver one this week. Tight end Dallas Goddard is my other start of the week. This is a this is not a great matchup, but Wentz is one of the league leaders in targeting his tight ends. And I don't know if I'm going to be breaking any news here, but the tight end position is kind of tough to get production from this way this year. My other guy, this one's ugly. It's Tyler Higby out of uh, Los Angeles. So the Rams tight ends can be a frustrating as their running backs. But Higby was targeted six times last week, the same amount as Robert Woods, but he Trailed Cooper Cup and Josh Reynolds. That's right, Josh Reynolds. I like Higby's matchup against the Bucks this week. Tampa Bay has given up four touchdowns to the position over the last four weeks. Well, that's going to wrap it up for today. The next show is Week 12 Waiver Wire Ads plus the Thanksgiving preview. I want to say thank you for listening to the show. Make sure to subscribe. Whatever platform you're on, leave a rating and review. Also, don't forget to visit FantasyKnockout.com for all your fantasy football needs. All right. Till next time, see ya!